Welcome to the Staying Golden Podcast, where we'll be catching up with Laurier alumni to give the Laurier community a glimpse of what the future may hold after graduation. We would like to acknowledge that Wilfrid Laurier University and its campuses are located on the Haldeman Track, traditional territory of the Neutral, Anishinaabe, and Haudenosaunee peoples. Today, I'm here with Matthew Wright, who graduated from Laurier's Brantford campus in 2014 and is currently working as a senior business development executive at American Express. So, Matthew, how are you doing today? Doing good. How about yourself, Luke? Oh, not too bad. Can't complain. So before we get into all that career school talk, I'm curious to learn a bit more about you. So what would you say you're most passionate about outside of work? What am I most passionate about outside of work? Um, that's a great question. I would say it's, it's uh, two things. Uh, I love music and I love sports. I feel as if um, they've gotten me through a lot of times in my life, good or bad. Uh, you know, I feel like music is a soundtrack to our lives. You, know, you can always go back to a memory where, um, you know, you can replay a song in your head. You know, that moment where you uh, achieve something great or you're going through a tough situation. There's always music, you know, that's there. And that's always been kind of you know, there for me, I love concerts. Concerts are my, my, one of my biggest passions. I love attending concerts. Um, I'm not so good at making music. I wish I could say that was a passion of mine. Uh, I'm not musically inclined. Um, and the other part of it is, is sports. I'm very passionate about sports. I follow sports. I, I still play sports. I've played sports my entire life. Um, and the reason why I'm passionate about it, it's a very, um, unique, it gives you unique skill sets when it comes to, you know, camaraderie, teamwork, uh, work ethic, um, discipline, uh, but it's also fun. And I think, you know, I've met a lot of my really good friends from sports and, you know, it's just always been a passion of mine to continue and it keeps you in shape. Um, don't ask me to run a marathon right now cause I wouldn't be able to, but I can definitely swing a golf club now and, uh, I can throw a football pretty well, shoot a basketball pretty well too. Still. Gotcha. So you're a big Raptors fan then you'd say, or yeah, huge Raptors fan. Been a Raptors fan my entire life. Uh, I actually had a pretty cool job with them when I was in high school. I was the ball boy for the Raptors uh, for a brief stint. Um, greatest experience ever. I've got really cool stories. Uh, you know, I had a little bit of a brush up with Kobe Bryant. Um, rest in peace. Um, you know, LeBron James. I met, I met everybody. It was uh, during the Bosch DeRozan era when DeRozan was a rookie and Bosch was kind of the guy here. And it was indescribable, the, the things that I saw from just like, a, you know, a day-to-day -day perspective of how everything runs. It was so cool. Um, you know, it's, it was nuts. It was crazy. But yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I got into basketball just around the Bosch era. So maybe I would have seen you on TV here and there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Definitely. So kind of moving on to your school experience and your Laurier time. So first of all, given your current position, that's more sales focused. I'm, I'm curious why you chose to major in law and society. Yeah, um, that's a question my parents always ask me now. <laughs> um, you know, so I actually growing up wanted to be a lawyer. Um, I have lawyers in my family uh, that have been pretty successful. And, you know, it was always I've always been, well, not so much anymore, but you know, a pretty stubborn, argumentative individual that could argue the facts and, you know, maintain emotion. I feel like that's what a law, a lot of law is about. Um, you know, I was always getting, you know, debating and, 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 you know, just, you know, working through and problem solving issues. And 
I wanted to become a lawyer to eventually become a sports agent, mixing one of my passions with, you know, obviously what I wanted to go to school for. So the plan was, was to just give this a go and, you know, get my feet wet um, in learning about the law. And then after that, uh, do the LSATs and then go into uh, law school. Gotcha. So what was it that kind of changed your mind? Was it during school that you decided you wanted to do something different? For sure. Um, so to be extremely transparent with you, I started feeling as if I didn't want to do law in and around my last year. Um, you know, I just, you know, I had a conversation with one of a family member about it. And, you know, I realized there's just more opportunity out there where you could you know, still have the same type of financial gain from being a lawyer. <clears throat> you can still be, you can still, you know, have a profession that's, you know, exhilarating. Um, but I started thinking about my life beyond and what that would mean one day if I had a family. Uh, lawyers typically tend to be working around the clock. Um, and that's something that I didn't want to have to sacrifice every day. That's something that has to be sacrificed every, you know, often, but not every single day. Um, and I just looked at the trajectory of making partner and all these, and all these different variables. And, um, while it was enjoyable in and around my last year, I decided that I didn't think that I wanted to do or pursue law. Um, but it was only after, until I graduated and got into studying for the LSATs that I just realized that I didn't have my heart in it. And, um, it was just time to reconsider other options. Sure. Absolutely. So kind of more general then why why choose Laurier over other schools for that? Yeah, yeah, good question. So at the time, there was only, um, this was going back, geez, 10 years now since I was in first year, uh, maybe more, I don't know. Um, going back, there was only a few programs that offered this type of specific undergrad law program that was honors that you could get experience and get your feet wet. Could have I could have majored in, you know, something like sociology that's, you know, has very... I would say um, applicable thought process and thinking skills as a lawyer would have um, very deep thinking, right? Like a lot of the, a lot of law talks about some of the uh, philosophers and you know from from way back, you know, uh, we're talking Karl Marx and, and those guys. Um, I didn't want to do that because I think I'd be bored out of my mind. So it was either I go to a program that they offered at U of T, which I got into, and I didn't want to do it. And I think there was another program that was offered in Dalhousie, but I was at the time too shy to move away, you know, that far from my family. And then it was York. So if I stayed in the Toronto area, I would have had to live at home. And I did not want to do that either. Um, and uh, for my own independence. So I chose Laurier because it was just a, you know, uh, maybe, maybe an hour and a half away and it wasn't too bad and if I really wanted to go home I could and if my parents wanted to visit me they could if friends wanted to visit they could as well yeah I totally understand that actually pretty much the same experience um coming from Toronto and not wanting to go too far I got into UFT and then decided not to go because that would have meant commuting downtown every day from like East Scarborough which wouldn't have been super fun so yeah <laughs> totally get where you're coming from there um so what do you think was the best memory from your Laurier days or something that stood out to you? Were you involved in intramurals or that kind of thing? Or Yeah, so best memories I probably can't say uh, on this podcast. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I was definitely involved in a lot of uh, extracurricular activities. Um, 
you know, I would say something that really, really sticks out to me would be, I totally stuck my, stuck my neck out once and, and did something outside of my comfort zone. I applied to be an all week leader. Um, and I always despised all week leaders because I was the guy that was, you know, they're banging on my door at 8am or 7am to get up. And I was like, ready to challenge all of them. You know, like I need to sleep a little bit longer. You know, you're way too enthusiastic for this early in the morning. Um, but then I discovered coffee and I see why they would be that way. Uh, so I applied and yeah, it was, it was great. I met a lot of really good people that I normally wouldn't have hung out with um, or, you know, became friends with. And they're still friends to this day. Um, and it was an amazing experience to see what the other side of the coin was like being in a week leader and seeing the impression that you do have on, you know, these, these first year students coming in that are very impressionable and, you know, very shy and scared. And, you know, I went through the whole moving experience with them too, and met a lot of their parents. And, you know, that was really cool to see. It was a long, grueling week, but that's something that really sticks out to me. Um, I did a lot of, um, I did a lot of, I did a lot of sports with the school. I, you know, I played on the, we had a, a basketball team, um, played on the basketball team and was involved in that for, for two or three years, which was a great experience. I think that's got to be the, the best hands-on experience I had. Um, you know, traveling to tournaments and, you know, you're playing with your brothers. A lot of the guys that I played with were still like very close, like, you know, and it's been so long since. And, you know, we FaceTime, we exchange calls, we text, you know, so, you know, and it's, it's, um, there's an array of things going through my mind right now as to what the best would be. I can't really determine what's what the best one would be, but um, I would say those two stick out for me the most. Um, and then I would say even after I graduated, like I did some stuff with the university uh, for homecoming, you know, organized some of the homecoming events. That was the best part for me going back. Um, All right. Wow. Yeah. So a lot of great experiences, Definitely. it sounds like. Um, so kind of shifting gears here um, to after graduation. So what, what steps did you kind of first take to prepare for finding work? And I guess you were focused on the LSATs at that time. So after that, that shift of focus. Yeah, so I was preparing for the LSATs. I'd gotten the book, was doing some of the learnings and the readings and the tests. At the same time, wondering what I was, if this was right for, right for me. Eventually when I decided it took, it took a few months, you know, I want to say a good like four or five months for me to decide uh, if this is what I wanted to do. And the next steps I took after that was to start building somewhat of a resume, even though, you know, the hardest part is obviously these companies that you're applying for entry level roles with want experience. I mean, how do you have experience when you want to get experience? Um, that's the age old question that's been asked. Um, so the next step was, you know, I, I met with, I talked to my dad a lot who, um, is, was in a senior level position at the time in the company. So I was asking him on tips of how to get hired and I would network with people. I even, I actually used, uh, I'll plug in the resources uh, center at Laurier. I used the, uh, the human resources resource center. They would send me leads and links to opportunities and jobs. Um, I tried to beef up my resume as much as I could based on some of my summer experiences and make them relevant to, um, to jobs I was applying for, but, you know, if the challenging part was I was going to a work world where my background wasn't necessarily um, aligned with some of the roles I was going for. I was just applying for every different role, trying to make something stick, right? 
Um, but those were kind of like my next steps uh, in shifting away from, you know, university to now trying to beef up my resume, uh, become a professional, move away from being a student and, you know, learn the best ways and practices to get hired by somebody or just get noticed. Um, one other thing I did was uh, network. So you started utilizing my network from people that I knew that were in roles, uh, you know, family members, friends, family members, um, people who, who I knew who were older than me in, in you know, decision-making positions or they knew somebody, utilizing that for sure, right? So, Gotcha. And what was the job market like when you were searching for work? Did you find that there were a lot of positions or just not a lot of stuff that aligned with your experience? Yeah, thinking back now, I found that um, there weren't a ton of roles at the time for entry level. Um, a lot of them were asking for at least one to two years experience. Um, and then on top of that, the other challenge was that some of the roles I was applying for just weren't applicable to, you know, having some type of background in law, right? Um, so those were some of the challenges that I had faced. And your first position out of school, correct me if I'm wrong, was with Japan Tobacco International? Yeah, yeah, JTI. So um, they are a large uh, tobacco uh, distributor. Um, they're, they're, they're very big. And so I was lucky enough to get a job there uh, through uh, a, a, someone in my network, it was my, my father, actually knew somebody there and I got an interview and I got the job and um which was interesting because I had never smoked I still have never smoked a day in my life so imagine talking to customers and retailers about products that you've never tasted yeah I can't really imagine that myself um so what led you to eventually leave Japan Tobacco and your next position was with Nextopia so how did that kind of work that transition mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I was more inclined to try and see if I can get a job uh, closer to 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 work to Bay, on Bay Street or somewhere downtown. Um, I was living in the city at the time, um, and I was my role with JTI. I was on the road. I had a company car. I was going to sales calls. Um, you know, doing product inventory management, doing sales, doing relationship management. Um, you know, talk, discussing margins on the products and, and all these different things. And um, I just decided, I was like, you know, I'm, I, this isn't for me. There wasn't enough flexibility where I could work like a hybrid role, similar to what everybody wants now, where it's like a couple days in and a couple days out, you know, I'm heating my lunch up, you know, in the middle of winter time with my, uh, with my, my heat blasted on, you know, in my car. I was just like, this isn't for me. Um, I'm young, I'm energetic. I want to try something where I'm inside. So I like the idea of sales and relationships and, and management and, and all that stuff. So, uh, I ended up shift leaving, um, JTI and applying for a role at Nextopia. Uh, there was a couple other tech companies that I was also, uh, talking to at the time. And that's when tech was really taking off. Um, Silicon Valley was very big, but it, tech was moving into, you know, I mean, I mean, Waterloo and in Toronto, and that's still back when, um, is it Rim, uh, Blackberry, uh, yep. was, was still okay. Like they were still okay. Um, so I kind of wanted to jump on that bubble and I chose Nexopia because of the proximity to my house and all these different things. And, um, they also offered me the opportunity to get into sales on the inside. 
so that was kind of the, the reason why I left and into my next role uh, was to get that experience um, on an inside role. Got it. And how would you compare that to the job search coming out of university? Oh, yeah, much easier. Um, and the, you know, the biggest difference is experience. Um, I had uh, at least a year and a half of experience, um, and the ability to, you know, talk to something, you know, these are some relevant skills that I've developed that I believe you, that were transferable to the role itself, even though it was a totally different industry. Um, it was much, much easier to find a next role than it was to find a role right at university only because of experience. You feel in interviews, you feel a lot more confident. You don't feel as, you know, you're just trying to get the job. Like, oh my God, please give me a job because I need money. It was more so, you know, your, 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 your swagger is different. Um, you can speak to things. You can answer questions more direct and specific. Uh, in reality, that's, I, that's what they want, right? They want to know how transferable your skills are and how you're going to benefit the business and how you benefited in your last business um, to the company. Got it. And yeah, I can kind of relate to that even with doing multiple co-ops and having to find jobs. And yeah, those interviews definitely get a lot easier as, as time goes on. Um, so after Nextopia, you had a couple years where you were devoted to a different project. Do you want to speak a little bit about that? For sure. So I've always been a little bit of an entrepreneur. Uh, so I was actually involved while I was working um, and Nextopia software. So I had some friends of mine um, back where I grew up uh, who had developed an app. Um, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with Linktree. Yeah. Uh, but we were, we were Linktree before Linktree. Um, you know, it was a consolidation app. Uh, we ended up going down to the, um, what's it called? The Collision Conference in uh, New Orleans. And I ended up pitching the head of startups at Harvard. Uh, no, I had no idea who he was. That was amazing, an amazing experience. Um, you know, we had, we were fully live. Um, you know, we raised a bunch of money and, uh, you know, we just got to a certain point where it just wasn't working anymore. And we had to go separate ways, but that project I was doing as I was working at Nextopia Software, it just has like a side thing to see if I could make it my main thing, right. And just take the shot. I had, um, I had money coming out of, at, at university, I had, uh, you know, some money from my grandmother, you know, uh, put away for me and I invested in it and just took the shot at it. And that's how I got myself in it. Actually, I was doing this before. I was doing this actually before I even started in Extopia. So it had been some time actually. Yeah. But it started okay. up and get very interesting in and around the time I was at Extopia. So what was the, I guess, main driving force behind you going into that full time and uh, like, what led you to kind of leave Nextopia or like the more solid job for something that wasn't quite so uh, consistent, I guess? Yeah, for sure. So I, I had, I was planning on going full-time um, into Spectrums based on what was going to happen with it. Um, it never ended up becoming like coming to, you know, to fruition, but I, I, you know, I'd work the full day and then I would come home and I would do, more work. I would do like another couple hours of work of prospecting and reaching out to influencers and DMing influencers and, you know, getting meetings and hosting dinners and, and which is, a, which was a lot of work. Um, and, uh, you know, upon my departure from Nextopia, they weren't related. 
whatsoever. Uh, but leaving Nextopia, uh, I felt at the time that I had enough experience to move on to something else. And I was, um, I was, I was uh, approached by a recruiter uh, on LinkedIn and thought that I would be a good fit in the finance industry. And I knew a bit about a fine. I knew a bit about finance, but I didn't know a lot about finance. But I knew about sales, and I thought that was going to be a great fit. And you know, I'm the type of person if you, you know, tell me I can't do something, I'm probably going to try to do it. And uh, you know, I thought to myself, well, I was doubting myself for sure. Like you know, this is another thing that I'm going to take a shot at. And I left Nextopia, and it was the best decision that I ever made going to uh, American Express. Yeah, absolutely. Now moving on to your experience at American Express. So what do you typically accomplish during a typical day? I'm sure there's a lot of variety, but yeah. yeah. So it's, it's a little crazy. Uh, it's a little all over the place. Um, so I am, I started kind of in just like a regular role at, uh, at MX. Um, and then I moved my up to a senior position um, in and around my I think a year and a half in, uh, I was moved into a, a more senior, senior call. Let's call it a senior role. Sure. Um, you know, and you get all the uh, you get all the uh, the targets that come with that senior role. Let's call it that the veteran targets. Um, but it's 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 like you got to maintain your, your regular role, which is I actually have a territory of Canada and Canadian businesses that do businesses in the United States. Um, so I'm responsible for the sales portion, um, getting the underwriting completed. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm part of the process of like vetting companies. Um, and then once they're on board, uh, then they got to get spending. Uh, so dealing with suppliers. So you do, you work with a lot of internal stakeholders, uh, like merchants to open up, uh, acceptance for these companies to use their business programs. Uh, so we specifically focus on unsecured working capital uh, for businesses, allowing businesses to, instead of putting their invoices with suppliers on check, um, they can put it on an Amex program. Uh, you know, they can get a variety of different things. Most people like the points, but a lot of people like the business advantages, which is, you know, typically larger limits that they wouldn't get from their own bank. Um, and then um, the unsecured piece that is transferable to a, uh, a payment date later than normally they would have paid on their through their typical bank. So we give them more days to actually pay back their statements. Um, so it provides them a flexibility, um, you know, to have that extra injection of cash flow, which really helps a lot of businesses, especially during COVID, especially during expansion of businesses where they need more working capital. Um, so I've been doing that for now four and a half, almost five years, which has flown by. Um, so my day to day is pretty crazy. I'm on calls usually majority of the day, prospecting a lot as well, um, touching base with customers. Uh, you know, you'll be in the middle of something and a fire will happen. You get a call from one of your most important clients. You know, they need more money or, you know, they're getting stopped here or whatever. Like it's, it's literally, you never know what you're going to get yourself into every day. And that's what keeps me going. Um, and on top of that, I do have some, some side projects I'm involved in. Um, I am the, the, right now the pillar lead of the, uh, millennial network, um, with respects to community partnerships. So right now working with the children's breakfast club, uh, we've done some stuff with the pinball Clemens foundation. So we'll do some volunteering on the weekends. 
Um, and then I'm also involved in our uh, Black and Black uh, Employee Network, Ben. And I am now, I was appointed to report to the Board of Inclusion and Diversity. Um, so I'm actually um, responsible for helping out increase um, the BIPOC applicants that come into Amex um, from an intern perspective. So if you know any interns that um, are of a diverse background, uh, let me know and uh, I can put them in front of some people who are hiring. Um, you know, obviously with what transpired with uh, George Floyd, um, you know, we as an organization decided that we needed to do and do our part in trying to combat some of the systemic racism and injustices that occur um, in our workplace, in our workspaces. Um, so I'm, I'm really happy about that. I work with a lot of very smart people with that. Um, and it's allowed me to, you know, open doors that were never open before. Um, so I built quite the network there, but that just adds on to another day of stuff. So you'll have, it's all over the place. Literally, I'm telling you, man, it's, it's, it's all, it's all over the place, man. My phone's always going off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I believe you. <laughs> it sounds like you're involved in a lot and that's incredible what you're doing with the inclusion. I'm really happy to hear that as well. Um, so how would you say your position has been affected by this pandemic then? Like what, what are kind of the major ways that things have changed? You know what? Um, I'm very fortunate because it hasn't at all. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, personally speaking, it was hard for me to adjust from working from home, but from an economic standpoint, I was in, I mean, there's nothing that I can say that would be anywhere near what, you know, other customers, customers that I've had, happened to them and have had their business impacted through, you know, the pandemic. Um, you know, I'm blessed to say that I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, you know, a, a detriment whatsoever. Um, you know, throughout the start of the pandemic, it was more provided, I was providing more of a support role for customers that, you know, couldn't necessarily pay back their bills and, you know, all those different things and just try to support them. But, you know, um, yeah, like a lot of, there's been a lot of resiliency uh, for a lot of my customers. So, and, and, and clients, so either, you know, the impact has, was honestly minimal, really and truly that I can say that. And I'm honored to say that. Well, that's, that's good to hear. Kind of going back to the beginning of your time at American Express. So what was that hiring process like? Did you have any connections there before you got the job or was that kind of organically applying? Yeah. So it was, it was, uh, it was organic. Um, MX, a recruiter from MX had reached out to me and uh, I ended up going in for an interview um, just to see what would happen. Really, I was fielding a few other uh, offers at the time, but I just wanted to give MX a shot. I've always known about the brand and, you know, all the uh, all the rappers flashing their black cards and platinum cards. So I had a little bit of an idea of what, you know, the prowess of MX uh, held. Um, you know, it's an internationally recognized brand. Uh, but I went in for the interview process and, uh, funny enough, uh, one of the gentlemen who was interviewing me, um, who is still one of my really, really close friends and former boss actually, uh, used to work with my dad way back in the day. And, uh, we discovered that during the interview. Um, so it was obviously a little bit of a, an advantage for me, but that just goes back to saying that networking and knowing people is key, uh, you know, six degrees of separation. I truly believe that you, you know, if you know someone who knows somebody who, who can get you in that door. And that was kind of that. 
I don't want to give my dad all the credit, but, uh, you know, I would say that I had a lot of skills that got me uh, to, to get the role, but it, it definitely helped. Um, but it was more of an organic process at that time, for sure. I was definitely going in there cold. Yeah, totally. And dads who are in business just know everyone, don't they? Like, <laughs> my dad works in insurance and he just knows everyone. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, insurance is something that is, uh, yeah, that'll never go away. Everybody, yeah. everybody needs insurance. Everybody has insurance. Everybody wants it, right? So. So I'm curious what advice you would give to someone who's maybe at an entry-level job and wants to leave for a better position or is thinking it's time for a promotion or that kind of thing. Is there anything they could do to prepare or things they could specifically look for? Yeah, definitely. Um, I would say if my advice would be if you're looking for to, to move to another role, um, figure out exactly what you want uh, out of a role. Like look at your, your true core skills um, whatever that is and write them down and hone in on those skills and use them to your advantage in any, any, any conversation you have with the recruiter or anybody that you're trying to network for a position, look at, look at organizations that you want to work for that align with your, um, you know, who you are, uh, you know, look at their core values as a business, look at, you know, where they're going as a business. Um, you know, you don't want to go to a dead end company that could fold in a year. You want to go somewhere where there's trajectory, uh, depending on the maturity of the business. If it's a startup or, you know, a company that's just received a raise, like you could even negotiate equity in your contract. So that's something that you can even look at too. But hone in on your skills. Um, go through that company's network um, on LinkedIn. Get a LinkedIn account and find somebody in the company and cold reach out. Hey, I'm such and such. And, uh, you know, I applied for a role in your business where I'm interested in applying for a role. Um, would love to see if you can chat with me for, you know, five to 10 minutes and uh, answer some questions I have on the business and the organization. And I've given this advice to friends that aren't even in entry level positions. They're in, they, you know, they're, they're established and it's worked. Um, you never know until you ask. And I find a lot of people are just willing to help whether they get the role, whether you get the role or not, they're willing to, to help. And then, you know, that individual might even give you, um, you know, a, a, a little push on the, on, on, on the back when, you know, they're, when you're done your interview, they may know the person who's interviewing you or they could be the person interviewing you. And, you know, I think, I think if, if you want that next role, the best advice would be to just understand who you are, what you want, what your skill sets are, how they're transferable, how they're going to impact the business, and then find someone who you can talk to about it and understand the company more. Do your research um, on the business. You don't need to know everything, but understand you know, what they're doing, read up on them in the news, find out who the key stakeholders are, and, and go with it. That's my thing. Um, that's, that's really always worked. And networking, networking, I've been saying it for for, for so long, um, it will put you in positions that, you know, other people won't. And I always use this example, and this is something that I was told by somebody who hires, you know, they get, they have a fact, they would get a, they would have a fax machine and, you know, at 10 AM, 11 AM, they're getting these faxes of resumes and copies of resumes and they go right into the garbage can. You know, if you're someone who's just applying like that, what would your advantage be? What would what would be your advantage in comparison to somebody who, you know, reached out to somebody who works in the business that could say, hey, yeah, like this person reached out to me. Yeah, there's actually a role available. I kind of like you. Like, you know, um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to somebody for you. Or the other part of it, the second the second part of that is, you know, if you know somebody that's already in the business, um, 
they'll say, Hey, this is my buddy's, uh, this is my buddy's kid. Or I know this person personally, they, you know, I used to coach them growing up or, you know, they're my, you know, whatever. Right. Um, they'll actually get the resume from you and hand it to the person who's hiring or give it to HR to say, Hey, look at this person and you will, sur- you will surpass all the resumes that went into the garbage. That's the honest truth. And I've seen it actually. So. Yeah, that's definitely advice that I've heard before and advice that I've been trying to take just even looking for co-ops. And yeah, I really appreciate that. And, and, and just one more thing to add that it can be intimidating to reach out to people cold, right? Uh, everyone, you know, humans were, a lot of us are terrified of rejection. I don't think there's anybody who loves rejection as much as they say they do. Um, rejection hurts. We're human, we're human beings, right? But unless you learn to deal with rejection, which is, you know, if you're introverted, I was that way. I'm still, I would say I'm a hybrid between an introvert and extrovert. It took a lot for me to get the courage to reach out to somebody cold. Didn't know what to say. Didn't want to look stupid. Didn't want to blow an opportunity. It doesn't matter. You got to just do it and, and put yourself out there or else you'll never get it because the jobs aren't coming to you at an entry level position. Like most oftentimes I would say, unless you're a rock star or someone who's on the roadmap um, and you've done things outside of work, different competitions or case studies where people have recognized you, you got to go and get it right. You're competing. You have to think you're competing with other people for the same role. So if they're doing that, then you have to do it too. Any advantage that you can get. Got it. Don't be too shy. Don't be too shy at all. Put yourself out there and you'll actually gain from that because you'll gain confidence. Like, wow, I actually did that. That, that really actually worked, you know? And then you pass on that, that advice to somebody else uh, as they're applying. Yeah, absolutely. The more you get out of your comfort zone, the, the more you're going to find you build skills that you didn't have before, for sure. Um, so one question I like to ask uh, everyone who comes on here, and uh, we can end off with this, is how you define success kind of as an individual. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's, I think about this constantly. I think subjective, uh, sorry, I think success is a subjective term. Um, success could mean so many different things, whether it's a successful family, marriage, um, money, career. Uh, personally speaking, I think success for me is balance and freedom. Um, you know, success would be for me to be locked in, in my family life with the people that I love, um, locked in with myself still not losing myself and, you know, continuing to be going after my passions and my hobbies on the side. And then success, another part of success would be, you know, advancing and being happy in the things that I'm doing in my career and business. Um, it's a three pronged thing for me. I don't think there's any binary sort of way to define it. It's very different for people. Some people maybe define success as being a CEO or getting that promotion or having the, you know, the huge house and the vacation homes that could be success for them. But for others, success could just be something as simple as, you know, um, just family, like really and truly it's, it's subjective, but personally speaking, I define success as balance and freedom because ultimately doesn't matter how much money you make at the end of the day, we all go to the same place. And what's really going to matter is, you know, the memories you made, the people that you impacted along the way, and, you know, the differences that you can make in others' lives. Um, that's what will matter, uh, creating memories, right? We're not, we're not here forever. 
um, and neither are our loved ones. So, you know, you got to make time for that. And uh, that, that would be my definition of success. Absolutely. Balance and freedom. Those are great ideas, I think. Let me ask you a question. What, what's your definition of success? I mean, I think I would put a lot of emphasis on freedom, being able to do what you want to do and not being tied down by anything, I think is kind of my idea of success. And I definitely agree with you that we all end up in the same place. So it kind of, it, it makes each day matter just a little bit more and, and seizing the day. Good point. Good point. <laughs> Man, flipping that on me. <laughs> <laughs> I have to test you somehow. Yeah, well, I'll take it. I've been throwing questions at you for... <laughs> about 40 minutes now well that's about everything i have so i'd like to thank you so much for taking the time to be here uh, you're obviously very busy so we appreciate it a lot and uh yeah i'm sure the things that you've said here will be helpful to a number of people absolutely and i really appreciate you uh having me on the podcast um i'm happy to jump on here anytime and if anybody that's listening uh you know needs advice or wants to talk to somebody or even needs a job uh, or a connection to a job, um, please reach out to me uh, and we'll see what we can do. All right. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. Take care. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.